Hello and welcome to the Maxi Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Lucy Bonner, Archivist for the Institution of Mechanical Engineers. Lucy, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to be where you are today? Certainly, thank you. Um, so my name is Lucy and I am the archivist for the Institution of Mechanical Engineers. I've been working as an archivist for nearly a decade now and I've been at the IMECI for just over a year. Um, we are normally based in the institution's library and members hub at One Birch Cage Walk in Westminster, um, but at the moment we are working remotely due to COVID-19 restrictions. So would you like to explain exactly what mechanical engineering is as a subject? Yeah, so mechanical engineering is all about movement. So it uses the application of science and technology to solve real world problems through the manipulation of moving parts. So mechanical engineers work across various different industries, including aeronautical, automotive, railways, biomedical engineering, energy and manufacturing. So what type of material is in the collection you have then? So the Institution of Mechanical Engineers is a membership organisation and learned society that represents mechanical engineers and the engineering profession. We were founded in 1847 and today we've got over 120,000 members in 140 countries. So we hold the records of the institution itself as well as of its merged bodies, the Institution of Locomotive Engineers and the Institution of Automobile Engineers. And the institution records are sort of typical business records that record the key decision making of the institution, such as council minutes. We also hold the historical membership proposal forms that were completed by individuals who were applying to become members. So in addition to the institution records, we also hold deposited collections, which provide a perspective on the history of mechanical engineering and engineers. And that's things like the business records of engineering firms and personal papers of engineers themselves. The large majority of our material at the moment is paper based. And that includes things like volumes, files, and uh, many large engineering drawings. And we also have a large collection of photographs, some born digital and digitized records, paintings, and artifacts. Our earliest material dates from 1726, uh, all the way up to almost the current day. So what, what do you have that's 1726? That's before you were founded. Yes, yeah, so uh, that's a question that we get quite frequently. It's uh, business records of uh, Bolton and Watt, uh, who are an engineering firm, and we hold some of their early drawings of engines from that date. I mean, 1847, in terms of Industrial Revolution, is that, I mean, I guess that's in the, in the middle of the Industrial Revolution, so that's all steam engines and... Um, uh, weaving and things like that, all those revolutionary ideas there. Yes, yeah, so the, there's a few different stories about how we were founded, um, but there was uh, a story that involved 
the railway engineer George Stevenson applying to the Institution of Civil Engineers, which at the time was the institution for engineers. It was um, the only one in existence, I believe. And uh, his application was uh, initially sort of declined asking for more information about sort of notable projects that he'd been involved in. Um, and allegedly this sort of put a few people's noses out of joint because he was George Stevenson. It was quite clear what he'd achieved according to them. Um, and so a group of railway engineers got together and thought about creating a institution for what was becoming a sort of separate, almost separate branch of engineering, which was, uh, as they often refer to themselves, people who were sort of mechanical, dealing with these mechanical engines and so on. Um, so they sort of got together and uh, discussed creating this new institution, which is essentially what happened. Whether or not the, um, the bit about George Stevenson is uh, quite accurate is something that we have tried to find out one way or the other and, and failed. We've spoken with our colleagues at the Institution of Civil Engineers and they have nothing in their records um, that suggests that a membership application was received or that there was uh, any sort of correspondence regarding it. Um, so that might just have to be something that's a bit of a, a myth, perhaps. Hello, urban legend. Yeah. Who accesses your collection? Is it mainly the the numbers that the members that you've got in your institution? Um, well, we are accessible to both IMECI members and non-members. Um, some of our members uh, come and access it, or, or other engineers come and access the material. But we also have people who are researching engineering firms or a product or a concept or, or an individual. So we have um, quite a lot of usage and access to our members, our historical membership records. Um, and we also have internal inquiries from within the institution. Um, so that might be something to do with the history of an award that the institution gives out. We also support the institution's engineering heritage awards. Um, and recently we've created some online puzzles for our education program using archive images. Is that as a result of lockdown, you're looking at doing more interactive things like that? Yeah, I think that's, um, We've been looking generally at how we can use our archive material to support STEM education. Um, and that's one of the ways, I think that's a sort of a STEM at home activity that can be achieved uh, without needing to physically visit or sort of you know, have a physical trip to an archive. How many people work in the archive? So I am the only archivist um, and I have uh, three colleagues who work with me in the library and information services. So they work on the library side of things. So what kind of things does your role encompass? Uh, everything to do with uh, managing the archives. Um, so that's from physically caring for them, managing our archive stores, um, knowing what we have, uh, so that might be improving our existing catalogue entries or cataloguing uncatalogued material, um, 
I also, when I'm caring for things that might be packaging or repackaging, creating digital surrogates, um, developing our digital preservation. And then also I like to tell people what we have. Um, so that might be using our social media or our blog to make people aware of our collections. Um, we've recently started doing some webinars about our virtual archive. Um, so yeah, sort of everything archived. <laughs> What particular challenges do you come across? One of the ones that we particularly have is how to ensure that our descriptions of archive material meet the differing requirements of our users. So those users who are engineers will benefit from quite a technical description, whereas those who aren't engineers would probably benefit from a less technical description. So one of the projects that I've started working on is to almost create a dual catalogue entry for material. So uh, a description of material that a layperson can read and appreciate and a description of material that an engineer can read and interpret. Um, so that's something that's quite probably sector specific for us um, and it's just making sure that we're making our material as accessible as possible um, because if we provided just one of those descriptions we we're not quite creating something that suits all of our users that's really um, good, yeah. mm, yes it's, it's only we're only just at the very beginning of it but hopefully it will help help both people who are looking at our material from a sort of technical viewpoint and people who are interested in it from a less sort of technical viewpoint. I think art galleries have sort of started to look at doing things like that as well. You know, you've got this, this little plaque you get next to it going like, mm. oh, there's oil on canvas, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people don't care about that. They kind of want it interpreted for them. So it's, it's about, you know, catering to different audiences. Yeah, and it's about different layers of interpretation as well. So some people might be quite happy just knowing the title that, you know, this is a um, a beam engine, for example, and somebody might want to know who was it manufactured by, which year was it manufactured, um, where was where was it then used, etc. So it's, it's sort of creating those different layers to cater for different users. What are your hopes for ex expanding the archive for the future of the archive? Do you want to add anything in particular? Do you want to engage a certain audience? So we're hoping that we can continue developing our collections and how they're used through making sure that we are collecting material that falls within our collecting policy but also represents our members and um, sort of what is happening in mechanical engineering at the moment and we also want to develop and improve the accessibility of our collections so that things like that dual cataloging um, the sort of events of the past few months have made it clear that having material online can be really beneficial and um, so we're looking at more and different ways that we can make our material accessible 
um, how we can better contribute to things like the institution's educational output and the um, challenges that the institution runs. Um, so essentially we want to make it sort of as easy as possible for people to be able to remotely identify material that will be of interest to them and then how we can make that accessible to people. Um, going forward, we're, we're looking at sort of future collaboration with other archives. We fairly recently, last summer, did a Second World War online exhibition with our colleagues from the Institution of Civil Engineers and the Institution of Engineering and Technology. So we'd always sort of hope that going forward, there might be more opportunities for collaboration as well. Do you ever loan out any of your collection? Yeah, we have a collection of artifacts, which includes models and awards. And we've recently loaned a model of the Golden Arrow car to the VNA for their cars exhibition. Um, so that was on until I think March, April. Okay. I think it, uh, I think it may have been interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, so we we do loan some of our material out as well. What is, in your own opinion, your favourite item in the collection? So I think my Fave? Oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> oh, well, we've got we've got lots of very very beautiful engineering drawings. Um, so we've got some by a draftsman named David Joy who made some beautiful um, drawings of locomotives. But I think my favourite is probably our foundation letter. Um, it sounds like a very corporate thing to answer, but the reason for this is it's the letter that was sent around inviting prospective members to form an institution of mechanics and engineers who were engaged in the manufactories and the railways and other establishments. And the thing, there's two things that I particularly love about it. Um, the first is that from the offset, the title of the institution was Institution of Mechanical Engineers. And um, the second thing that I really love about it is that they wanted to, um, quote, give an impulse to inventions that were likely to be useful to the world. Um, so even back in sort of 1846, the year before we were formed, when they were sending around this circular letter, they, they wanted to create things that were going to be useful to the world. And that's actually quite similar to the institution's sort of aim today, which is to improve the world through engineering. So I, I kind of like that the sort of aims of the institution and of mechanical engineering itself um, have been so sort of forward thinking um, from the sort of very start of the institution. I feel like that might have changed over the years. I feel like maybe when it was founded, it was sort of um, making, improving people's lives, sort of like making them more sanitary and, and being able to move people about, improving their quality of life. Whereas now we're sort of looking ecologically speaking and maybe now after COVID, uh, maybe electric scooters and things like that to keep people socially distant, but quite energy friendly. 
Yeah, so uh, things like electric vehicles and uh, lots of involvement, I think, by our members and mechanical engineers in um, things that can help manage COVID-19. Um, so I think it's, it's things that have a benefit to the world, um, certainly. Any famous names that have been part of your um, your institution? I know that I see claim uh, Brunel, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> what's that called? Well, we have Brunel's son as a member. Um, um, yeah, so there's been quite a few sort of, um, I suppose you might call them big names in mechanical engineering. Um, so George and Robert Stevenson, um, sort of railways-wise. Um, both Rolls and Royce of Rolls-Royce Motor Cars. Um, Frank Whittle, who invented um, the jet engine. Um, so there's been a, a few sort of notable names. And then you've got mechanical engineers who, who sort of are perhaps less well-known. Um, so we've had uh, Beatrice Schilling, uh, who helped create a fix for carburettors in the Second World War for fighter planes. Um, so she joined as a member as well. That's really interesting. Do you get, are you expanding sort of female engineering and stuff like that? Or are there any topics that you are keen to explore? Yeah, certainly. So personal papers wise, we would be looking to add personal papers of women engineers. Um, there is the Women Engineering Society and their archives are um, sort of held in collaboration with the Institution of Engineering and Technology. So uh, we would always have a conversation with them about what's the most appropriate place for the collection of a woman engineer. Um, is it more appropriate for people who are interested in women engineers to visit one archive repository? Um, or should we have them sort of in, in our archive if they were a mechanical engineer? So there's always that kind of conversation to have as to what's the best place for that sort of collection. But yeah, certainly we would always be keen to know more about the working lives of some of our women members. That's great that you've got such um, a great working relationship with other institutions. Um, so you mentioned the VE exhibition that was in conjunction with, was it Institute of Civil Engineering and Institute of Engineering Technology? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that was looking at, it was using our all three archive collections to look at the contributions made by engineers across the disciplines and engineering to the Second World War. So it wasn't a, a look at all engineering during the Second World War, but it was based on what we each held in our collections. Um, and so there was material on there to do with electricity supply, building of motorways, um, things to do with um, sort of building
building of railways and bridges uh, in the theatre of war. Is that still available online? Yeah, yeah, we've got that online and it sits on our Engineers at War website. Um, previously, we did a First World War project with the Institution of Civil Engineers and the Institution of Engineering and Technology. So there's our Engineers at War website and you can select whether or not you wish to learn about the First World War and engineering or the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of images and, and text from all of the collections. Um, so sort of engineering drawings, some personal letters, photographs, that sort of thing. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today. I really enjoyed hearing more about mechanical engineering, which to be fair is something that I didn't know I knew about, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's quite integral to our everyday life, even nowadays. Um, oh, very much so. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, so check out the Engineers at War online. Is there anywhere else you want to point people in the direction of? Definitely our, our virtual archive. Um, so that's got uh, photographs and images of artifacts and archive material. And there's sort of key bits from our collection. Um, and our archive catalogue is also available online. So if you want to search everything that we hold, that's the best place to visit. Wonderful. We'll put a link up on the page so people can check that out. Thanks Excellent. very much, Lucy. You're welcome. To you. <laughs> Thank you.